Good afternoon. Welcome to episode 13 of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. I'm John O'Halloran, your host, and today uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine named Jeremy Colbert. He's he's a musician that, a guitar player, songwriter, singer, um, he plays in a folk rock band called Nameless in August. But today I'm here to talk to him about his solo project, which he's about to release the first album. His solo project alias is Taragape, that's T-A-R-A-G-A-P-E. And this album, this first album that he's releasing is called Spirit Maze. And uh, uh, he's uh, got a very interesting story about how the whole album came together. And um, yeah, every part of it, uh, just very, very puzzle-like in terms of how it, uh, how it all came together and, and became a thing. And uh, yeah, it's all culminating this Saturday at their album release show, at Jeremy's album release show, um, at a place called the Dragon's Den in Homestead, which is a really interesting sounding venue. Um, and uh, yeah, you'll hear Jeremy uh, explain everything about all this during the episode today. Um, yeah, we talked about a lot about the album, music, uh, as with most guests, I feel like we really just scratched the surface on uh, so many topics and could have gone on for for much longer. Um, so hopefully I'll have another chance to dive a little deeper into some of these topics with Jeremy. And uh, yeah, he, he was uh, one of the featured artists on the Chalk Dinosaur and Friends album from 2017, I think it was released. Um, yeah, Jeremy Colbert, he plays the Terrapan, which is a really cool uh, percussion, melodic percussion instrument. Um, looks like an inverted steel drum, kind of. Um, you play with your hands. And yeah, I'd, I'll always remember hearing him at Farm Jam for the first time. It was the first time I ever heard or seen that instrument or heard anybody play it and uh, he was playing it very well and it was yeah it really stuck in my head and um, was really happy to, to, to eventually connect with him and and make a piece of music together and then from that piece of music made a made a second piece of music kind of more more uh, like electronic kind of sampled, mangled thing out of his Terrapan playing, but one of them is just pretty raw, kind of ambient meditative piece called uh, Embers at Dawn, which is a reference to the first time I saw Jeremy. And uh, I actually didn't meet him then, but you know, sat around by the fire and listened to him play. The Embers at Dawn, yeah, it was a very, memorable experience and uh yeah i was happy to have a chance to talk to him today on short notice um i just wanted to yeah talk to him about this album because he's he seems to have been putting a lot of a lot of thought and uh effort into into this which is interesting to me and and cool to see because um that's a whole nother part of of releasing music and 
making music is is the presentation, and uh, that's something that's definitely a, sh a shortcoming for me, or a shortfall, or whatever you call it, uh, a weakness. <laughs> I, I I don't have the patience a lot of time, a lot of times to really invest the time and effort into kind of presenting something. So. Um, yeah, I was interested to hear his ideas about that and um, his approach to it. And yeah, like I said, there's there's so much more uh, I want to talk to him about. But uh, the main point of today is just to talk about the album and and the show that's coming up on Saturday. I'm gonna put links in the in the uh, video description um, and the information. And uh, yeah, enjoy the conversation with Jeremy Colbert. I think I'll just say hi. Welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> I'll share that story. <laughs> we, I think we have point. a lot to talk about. I think, I think the origin story um, should definitely be shared at some point um, because you know, it's a pretty beautiful synchronicity. And that's kind of what this music's all about. Yeah, so maybe, um, yeah, I guess uh, Maybe share share some information about uh, what you got coming up here in a couple of days. Cool. So um, <clears throat> I have an album release show happening in, on Saturday, which is uh, two twenty two. This twenty second, and it's been a long time coming. It's been a labor of love. Um, as you said, I'm, I'm in a band called Nameless in August, and we're a folk rock group here in Pittsburgh, and. We've released a couple albums, and uh, on last year and on uh, <clears throat> right around first of January, I decided that I was going to do a solo album, and I was connecting with uh, some musicians in Boulder, Colorado, and they invited me to come out and record an album, and it's a very unique album. It features, as you said, the Terrapan, which Generally, they call it a hand pan, which is kind of like, I, I explain to people, <clears throat> hand pan is like calling an instrument a guitar. Calling it a terrapan is like calling a guitar a Fender or a Gibson or a Martin. It's just kind of like the brand. But essentially, it's this. It looks like a spaceship turtle shell. It's two pieces of steel, hollow on the inside. And uh, sounds like this. So it's a really beautiful nice. instrument. <laughs> how long have you been? How long have you been playing that? Or when did you when did you start playing that instrument? Um, I received the instrument in the fall of 2016, <clears throat> so over four years. And um, yeah, it's that's also an interesting interesting story as well. Um, but yeah, to, to finish just rapping about the album, um, I went out there and, and basically worked with a producer who, uh, two producers actually, um, Dango Rose, who's in a band called Elephant Revival, really, really beautiful, just 
gorgeous group, um, kind of transcendent folk group. Um, and then, uh, Evan Reeves, who actually has ties back here to Pittsburgh. Um, and that out al- or that instrument is arranged with strings on the album. So there's cellos, double bass and violin, but I'm also a guitar player, a singer. Um, so the track or the album also features three tracks that are, um, vocal and lyric and guitar tracks. So fully produced. So the album kind of alternates between both worlds. And then the other thing about it is it's, uh, recorded in 432 Hertz, which long story short is our standard is 440 Hertz. It's what any music you pretty much listen to is tuned to, which basically means that the A uh, at a certain octave is tuned so that it vibrates at 440 times a second. And there's a school of thought that believes that 432 times per second at that note um, is a more in tune frequency with nature. It's really hard to prove that. It's not really something that you can say for sure. But um, regardless, it has a slightly lower and a little bit of a warmer feel to it. And um, it's basically an experiment for me. And we did this Mm -hmm. whole album in 432 um, to try it out. And there were definitely a lot of really great things about it. And there was a lot of challenges about it. But I think it turned out beautiful. So that's it. That's cool. Um, So how did you how did you get in touch with the 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 people that you ended up recording it with in Boulder. So I became a I became a fan of Elephant Revival. Um, they came to Pittsburgh once. Um, a friend invited me out to the show. Like synchronistically, I was I ended up being at the same place for it. Um, it was at the Fun House at uh, Mr. Small's. I was upstairs at a at a, an event that was happening, and they were playing downstairs in the main hall. And I ended up walking in late to the show and I walked in and they're in the middle of this song and it's, they're a magical group. There's something about them. Um, and, uh, I was just like in awe and then they finished the song and they were like, thank you. Good night. I was like, that's hmm. it. Oh man, it was such a tease. So I started listening to their music and fell in love with them and saw them perform a couple of, a handful of times. And then found out they were playing their final show. They'd announced they were going to go on hiatus um, after 11 years. So I saw their final show at Red Rocks. It was just truly stunning. Um, and, you know, I kept up on the mailing list. And I saw that, that the bass player, Dango Rose, was starting something called the Elephant Collective. And it's based out of Boulder, and it's basically like an a grassroots sort of agency for artists and they do um consultation songwriting coaching and recording so i scheduled a call with him and like we instantly just clicked right away scheduled a couple more calls and then um it was more like coaching consultation as an artist and then uh it just got to the point where he he invited me out to record and i, I said yes that's cool when was that that was um around october of uh last year so october of 2018 actually um yeah how long how long was the uh were you out there for or was the recording process yeah i had to fly out about five times um 
<laughs> which was which was interesting and there there were a lot of really great things about that and some not so great um luckily i had built up a lot of airline miles and i completely <laughs> depleted those um through through this whole process but that was really helpful um but we had to be super efficient um because i would fly out for about a week at a time each time yeah. i went out and that was great like as a musician that was that's something i've always wanted to do to just go to a studio and mm-hmm. have a a chunk of time where i'm doing nothing but working on a record right and and to be in a beautiful place it was just amazing you know boulder so inspiring in in itself so um luckily i was able to have the means to fly out on about four or five different occasions for about a week at a time and we knocked it out throughout the week um sounds like a lot of fun it was it was a surreal process it was really great um got to meet some amazing musicians and they even dango even invited me to play um in his group at a a festival that was just beautiful and so there was a lot of extra extra stuff in there too but it was a great process yeah that's cool i'm looking forward to hearing it um and uh yeah maybe uh maybe tell me about the uh album art and uh yeah, all the stuff that you got yeah. going on with this. Yeah, let, let me kind of, sh- I'll, I'll explain it as I, as I hold it up to the, the camera. So, so this is the album art. Um, there's a lot I could say about it, so I'll just kind of condense it. I did just got these in the mail the other day, and I'm, I'm super stoked. So I'll talk about the, <clears throat> the concept of how I'm presenting the music first, just so you can see what, what this is. So it kind of looks like a small vinyl. Um, I'm lovingly calling this the digital vinyl. So the front is the cover. And then when you turn it around, you have the track listing, the liner notes, and then you have this download code. Um, so I wanted to have something physical to give and to sell people, but I didn't want to have CDs because I mean, yeah, they're on the out, right? They're, they're totally on the out. And, um, I knew I'd just end up having a thousand of them sitting in my basement, like, <laughs> yeah. like always so behind that curtain. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know what it's like. So when you, when you, um, come see me at a show, I'll be able to sell this. Um, so you're basically buying an art print and you're getting the music with the art print. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. I, I haven't seen that ever. I haven't either. So, yeah. so, so here you go. You can, you guys can all steal this. I like idea. it. It's like, it's, it's rigid too. It's, it's uh it's not like um you know like a poster consistency it's like a mm-hmm. it's like a rigid canvas like um substantial thing yeah it's nice it's got some weight to it um two card stocks and it's got a, a buffer uh thick uh piece of i don't know what kind of paper in between but it feels good you know it feels feels great and if you see this up close the the uh the artist crystallize who's phenomenal she she prints on this like almost iridescent paper so it has a really cool shimmer to it um but i'll talk about the symbol first and then i'll talk about how i met up with the artist so the symbol is two symbols in one and most people recognize the front symbol it's the caduceus it's the um it's what we typically 
know as the symbol for the medical industry. And it's actually kind of ironic because the symbol was mistakenly first used to represent the medical industry in 1902 or 1903 by the U.S. Army Medical Corps. And what the symbol that was supposed to be used and that is also used correctly to describe a medical um, or to to present a medical um, a historic medical symbol is what you see with the blue cross blue shield, which is a rod with a single snake that wraps up it. So if you see the blue cross blue shield, if you Google that, you'll see the single snake going up the rod and on and the crosses in the background. The, the U.S. Army Medical Corps accidentally, I don't maybe they did it on purpose, actually karmically they probably did it on purpose because they used, they used the dual snakes with the wings, which is the caduceus, and it originally, it's also known as the Staff of Hermes. So this is actually a very spiritual symbol. It represents kundalini energy, it represents the dual serpents, the, the masculine and the feminine, and the, the, the kind of the, um, the rising of that into, you know, the wings could represent enlightenment. But it also represents some other things, and the Staff of Hermes symbol, historically, throughout the history of, of our time, has represented commerce. And I just find it incredibly ironic that our medical industry has been using a symbol of commerce as its main symbol. And I think that that's just really ironic. Yeah. So part of me in a small way is, is like trying to reclaim this symbol, mm-hmm. the caduceus. Um, but then in the background is, it's a fractal five-pointed star. So you can see the five-pointed star, the main one here. And then there's actually five overlapping layers that go down. And it's called a Pythagorean loot. The Pythagorean loot, um, you know, Pythagoras was a, you know, a geometric genius. And, and he, this was one of the shapes that he, one of the fractal shapes that he had um, really highlighted. Um, but the shape itself, I'd never seen it before in my life. I'd never just was not familiar to me. And, um, I was lucky enough to have been able to fly to Peru in 2016 and work with ayahuasca. And during a very powerful ayahuasca ceremony, I saw this shape cascade across my vision, the Pythagorean lute like four times, and I'd never seen it. And it was the color spectrum and it was from cool to warm colors. And it kept just like going across and I'm like, what, what is this thing? I have no idea, but I, I saw it super clearly and, you know, as clear as day. And then, um, a couple months later when I was back in Pittsburgh, I ran into, um, James Gyre who of Naked Geometry and he, uh, is a sacred geometry wizard. And basically he put out a map of old world geometry. It took him seven years to do this. And one, you're just looking through it and you see all of like the classic geometric shapes and some I didn't know. And then I I looked and I stopped and I was like, that, that's what I saw. That's exactly what I saw. What is that? And I contacted him and um, he told me a little bit about it. And I got uh, a pendant that I wore for a while, for about a year. And um, then I took, uh, I took a... Um, a project 
through Bricolage Theater Company, and they were doing these art installations on a mini scale. They do big um, immersive art, um, I guess immersive theatrical uh, experiences, but they were doing small scale ones and commissioning artists throughout the city. So I wanted to have one where I was playing the, the hand pan, and we came up with kind of a concept um, that was combining sort of shamanism with Western medicine. And that was kind of the theme of it. Mm-hmm. So that's when I decided, I, I figured out that you could actually overlay these two symbols and they overlay perfectly. And so I created the symbol for that experience, which happened um, actually in October of, of 2018 i believe right before i started this the process of this album and james gyre of naked geometry he was able to um perfect the symbol so he i came up with the concept and he basically came up with this um and was able to laser cut this wood and the first the first one was actually big it was probably like three times as big as this and then i have smaller little tokens um so that became the symbol of this experience that I was providing for people where basically we were having them come in and go through this like sort of, you know, psychologically shamanic and uh, uh, experience that also had like a Western medicine like approach. Like I was like a doctor shaman in this experience. Um, and this kind of became the symbol of that. And it was really successful, really powerful. And, um, so then when I started recording this album, uh, it became the symbol for the album. And the song that I used in that experience and the song that is the name of the album is called Spirit Maze. So um, I've also decided to call this symbol the Spirit Maze. And um, then I hooked up with crystallize and she this is actually it just came it's a painting it's a 20 inch by 20 inch painting about you know yay high and yay wide um and she did it beautifully the colors and everything is just like is more than i could have ever imagined yeah that's that's great i i love the uh the image and and the painting so the the woodcut came first or um okay and then uh, Crystallize is the name of the artist who who you found uh, or met um, at Electric Forest, you said? Yeah. yeah. And uh, was she doing like a live painting thing or did you know of her before? That's actually a funny story too. Um, I was... if Electric Forest is an adult playground with art installations everywhere. So I was walking through... Um, this outdoor art gallery where they basically had all these really nice wooden panels set up and like every corner of this, uh, you know, it featured a different artist and every artist there is amazing. Um, but I, I came around the corner and I saw this one panel and I was, I was just like, I stopped dead in my tracks. I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, the color scheme, the sacred geometry, everything about this art was just really speaking to me. And I fell in love with it. I brought my friend over. I'm like, you have to check, take a look at at this, like this art, who is this artist? I took some photos of it. And then a day or so later, I'm walking 
actually to meet up with James because James of Naked Geometry was vending. And I'm, I'm meeting with him and I see this woman and she has this like this tank top art print on. <clears throat> it's really beautiful art. And I walk up to her and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I if that is the type of art that you dig, like you have to see this artist. There's a, an art gallery over there through the forest. If you just walk over that way, it's it, this person instantly became my favorite artist. And she gets this big smile on her face. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And she like, she like points and she's like, it's me. Like I'm the artist. Like this is my art. I'm crystal. And, uh, we instantly became friends and um there were some more more synchronicities with my friend who was with we, she actually saw one of her paintings while she was in costa rica and had a moment with it and then we finally oh, put wow. two and two together yeah <laughs> it was it was really really neat um <clears throat> and then yeah there's a lot lot more with that but crystal eyes um it's k-r-y-s-t-l-e-y-e-z and um she was based out of boulder for 10 years, which also lined up. Um, and she just moved back to Milwaukee to her, to her home hometown to be with family. And yeah, she took the commission and she did a fantastic job with it. Yeah. That's awesome. Such a, such a, such a big backstory to this album. <laughs> There's a lot. It's great. There's <laughs> a lot. It's a, yeah, it's a lot more than, than, what seems to be normal <laughs> for for me at least uh yeah it's really cool to have such a defined concept for all the stuff like the artwork and the um the music and um when you were like when you were developing the music um would you be doing that in here or would you be doing that in boulder or I guess mostly here. Yeah, that's that's a great question. And just to touch upon what you said, like this was the first time that I've in, embarked on a solo album and I have been wanting to do it for <clears throat> probably 10 years, you know? Like yeah. I've I've always put my sights in other projects and have lovingly have done so and released probably three studio albums and other projects that I've been really proud of. But over that time, I was writing a lot of music and writing a lot of music and evolving. So when it came time for me to do an album, I mean, I had to choose from, you know, 10 years of material and this new instrument. So I basically put a lot, a lot of intention into it because of that. Um, But it also just lined up in a way. But most of the music was written here or during experiences at like a festival or or anything like that um the guitar songs actually the one of the guitar songs i wrote in colorado um in its entirety and then like refined it back here um a lot of the terrapan music was inspired by very potent experiences um whether that was being in a room with really like-minded people um, while they are uh, the first track on the album is called collective groove. And I just wrote the opening riff while I was sitting in the room and there was just these amazing people in the room when they were all just conversing and connecting and, um, 
and I just started playing music to kind of fit that vibe, and that, that's how that song started. And Spirit Maze is, is one of the most, you know, that song means so much to me um, in so many ways. And, um, yeah, a lot of this album is inspired very, very much so by plant medicines as well. Um, just having really deep inner experiences and trying to bring that out. Interesting. Yeah, I, I remember the first time you said you got that instrument in fall of 2016. Is that what you said? Yes. Right. Yep, September. Okay. I forget what year it was then, but uh, first time I heard you at Farm Jam around the fire mm-hmm. in the early morning, that was... That was definitely um, one of the like strongest memories from that from that uh, festival. It was. Uh... It's probably twenty seventeen. Okay. It was because I turned yeah because we actually met the night before I turned. I had my birthday and I think I I, I was the October of twenty seventeen. Because we were—that was when I walked outside of the show right before the talk yeah. show. Okay, that was—I was trying to remember what show that was. Uh, yeah, it was talk on October fifth because my birthday was at midnight, on October sixth. So it would have been Farm Jam of twenty seventeen. Okay, because yeah, I, I had one of my favorite nights ever, um, and then the sun was coming up and the massive fire was still was still burning. Uh, low but it was still going and um i heard jeremy playing the terrapan out there and that was the first time i'd ever heard or seen that and uh it was such a perfect sound for that moment um in like the the dawn hours um after such a good night i might have been i might have been sitting there with druva i'm not sure druva was there (laughs) okay druva was definitely there. i I wasn't sure if that was the same year but um Mm -hmm. But yeah, and then, but I didn't, I didn't, you know, talk to you or anything at, at the, uh, at that moment. So I didn't actually know what your name was or know if you lived in Pittsburgh or anything really uh, about you and was hoping I would be able to figure that out because whenever I wanted to start putting together an album with, with different musicians from Farm Jam, you know, I thought about you, but I didn't, you know, have your contact info or uh yeah then i just yeah recognized you at a show at the rex Mm -hmm. a couple months later and was able to get your contact info then i think it was like i was walking into the rex and you recognized me and you were like hey are you the dude that plays the (laughs) instrument and i was like yes and we connected and then i think it was like the next day it was either the next day or the day after like within a day or two i was over at your studio (laughs) and we were working on the collaboration that that ended up being on the chalk dinosaur and friends album yeah that was that was cool that was a very special year for me in in that story and then yeah also the similar similar types of kind of um connections uh that year from that year at, at Farm Jam Lama. That was that was great. Yeah, absolutely. I still remember that morning too. I actually wrote so talking about experiences, uh, one of my favorite things to do is to like have 
an experience, usually like an all night experience, whether that's at a festival or, you know, working, um, working on my own. I like to do like mushroom meditations and Mm -hmm. just like really go in. And so I remember actually going up on top of that hill after, after I met you and I wrote this riff. thing about that is every single time I play that I'm now taken to being at the top of the hill at farm jam when the (laughs) sun is rising and being in that moment and and that's what I love about this instrument because typically when I write music in the past and when I still do it's you know it's guitar it's lyrics it's a lot of more intellectual yeah stuff Mm -hmm. that goes into it but with this it's like it's so experiential. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. That 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 kind of uh do you have that with other experiences too where kind of certain certain patterns you play are you know really strongly tied to certain experiences? Yeah, I mean I I'm a really empathetic person. I I'm just I've always been really sensitive. Um so I have a, to make an association with me and an experience is it's, it happens daily. Like I, I, um, you know, even like I, I work a lot with dreams. Like I recall dreams. I, I keep, keep track of them. I, oh, I really? Very, yeah. Very, I've been doing that since I've been 17. That's awesome. And it's fascinating. So like, I'm just constantly making connections and yeah. So anytime I'm playing, like I, you know, i I'm taken back to where I was when I, when I came up with it. Yeah, that's interesting. I've definitely, music's definitely a, a super powerful kind of marker or something, or, you know, a time marker. I, I, I don't know if I've had that experience playing, but definitely hearing, um, you know, certain music, mm-hmm. if you had, listen to it a lot during a certain period of of time it can kind of bring back not only a memory but like a feeling um that that the the music's tied to for sure especially if you like see it live if you're at a concert and you have that moment with the music Mm -hmm. and you're just with all that energy and those people and like and every time i hear that song i'm taken back to that that moment yeah so with your dreaming stuff, uh, that was something that I got really interested in for a while. Kind of have like, not so much recently, but um, yeah, are you um, are you trying to record your dreams with the intention of being able to lucid dream? Or yeah, that's definitely part of it. Well, the first first experience I had with lucid dreaming was when I was seventeen, and it was so powerful that. I, I will I will credit that moment as being the catalyst that launched me on my own personal spiritual journey. Like there was wow. nothing <clears throat> yeah, there was nothing at that moment. I mean when you're seventeen, like 
<clears throat> you're not thinking about that kind of stuff. You know, you're, you're, everything is, is, is a much more condensed version of reality and you're just kind of in your own your own little world and you're kind of the center of your own universe. And then I had this dream where, um, long story short, my, my deceased grandfather came to me in the dream and it was like, I can talk about dreams for hours, but like basically when you start to become aware of that you're dreaming in, in, in a dream, there are different levels of it. So this dream was a perfect example of it where I was in, I was in our, his house and there was family everywhere and so much was happening all around and someone was announcing they were having a baby in the next room and I'm sitting down at the table and he's across from me and I didn't think twice about anything, but he's, he's, he's not alive anymore in that, in that moment. And then he said something to me in the dream and I looked at him and then as I looked at him, I started to realize like, my my actual consciousness started kicking in and was like wait he's not supposed to be here and in that moment you started to realize that i was dreaming and like continued but it was like still i wasn't fully aware mm-hmm. and and in those moments you have to be careful because you can wake yourself up like if you right. if you start thinking in your yeah, dream you wake up excited or something yeah exactly and in that same moment in that dream, I walked into the bathroom because I actually had to pee in real life. I, I actually was, my bladder was full and I walk into the bathroom and, um, I, I tried to go to the bathroom, but I, I couldn't, which I'm really thankful that I wasn't actually able to, cause I would have, I would have pissed my bed for yeah. sure. Cause it was so real. But I remember looking, um, to my right and there was this full body, full mirror. There was this, just this entire wall was a mirror and I saw myself. And everything just went into slow motion and I was just staring and I just started moving and looking at my body in the mirror and I was fully present and fully lucid. And I started hearing this distant sound that was like a, and then instantly my alarm went off and I was like, I came out of it. like, what, what was that? And I wrote it down. And that, that started me. And, and since then, you know, I've, I've lucid, I've been, I've gone lucid over a dozen times for sure. But <clears throat> the reason that I record my dreams is a, to practice mm-hmm. getting into that, that mode. It's just like anything. It's like an instrument. You know, the more you do it, the more you, you are adept at continuing the process. And uh, B, um, because if you start to record your dreams, you find really interesting ties with your, with your day-to-day life, like some beyond coincidence stuff. Yeah. And I've had it happen enough times to know that it's, that there's something to it. Like, right. I, I know that there's more of a connection there. So I just, it fascinates me and that's why I do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I read a book once called uh, gateway to the inner self, lucid mm-hmm. dreaming, or maybe it's just dreaming gateway to the inner self. And the author talked about all of his kind of uh, experiments um, and experience with with dreaming, and uh, yeah, it really does seem just like a a way to interface with your subconscious, kind of in a uh, really interesting way. Like he would um, he would experiment with. Uh, asking questions to dream figures um, or 
like interacting with them and 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 asking them questions and they would give them answers um and and then he ended up going on to address like the dream itself like what's behind the dream or something which was pretty interesting um I don't know. Yeah, that 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 was really fascinating to me too. But I never got, I got to the point where I was able to remember maybe like three dreams in a night, which was great. Like I'd have like three detailed, interesting kind of scenarios that played out overnight. That it's just interesting to like to see what's what happens in that world. And uh, but yeah, I was never really able to to become aware in it. Maybe there was one time when I did, um, I was in some kind of like, I was in a, my dorm, it looked like my dorm suite from college with my suite mates, but it was, we were, we were like trapped there for some reason. Like it was, like we were being held there, a prisoner <laughs> or something. And, uh, but then I realized uh, I was dreaming and I could just leave. So then I just left, whereas it felt like we were, we were trapped there. Um, and then after that, I think I tried to go somewhere or do something. And yeah, just got like the excitement of that awareness uh, kind of made it collapse. Did you wake up? Do you remember if you woke up? Yeah, that that would be... Yeah, I think so. Actually, I'm not sure. Sometimes, yeah, because sometimes you just kind of default back into the dream, and then yeah. like you'll remember being aware, and then you're like, oh, and then it turned back into like a regular dream. Yeah, you huh. gotta lose it, and then you go back on autopilot. I think it ended there because I don't remember anything after that. Yeah, that's. I think one of the coolest like like uh, things that dreams present is they'll present us with in, I mean, in a, in the dream state where anything is possible. I mean, you've ha everyone's had dreams where they're like, what, what was that? There's no, that doesn't work in reality. Yeah. But our dreams are constantly bringing in these, like these thoughts of worry and these thoughts of, of constriction or like, I always have these dreams where like, Oh, I want to do something, but I can't do it because I'm not supposed to do it. And I think whenever you start to become lucid, you are presented with the option to overcome that. And I think that's a big teacher for us. Yeah. Because I think that's true in this waking dream state, because right. <laughs> it's kind of what it is. Um, I think that's true in, in this, this, you know, our conscious life as well, because we limit ourselves so much and I do it all the time. Um, but I think dreams can teach you, you know, in that way. Um, the other night I was becoming, I became aware and I was like, by myself and I'm like, oh, I'm dreaming. Like I want to interact with someone right now. And I walk over to my neighbor's house and I'm at their door and I'm just like, I'm in a dream. I can just barge into this house right now and it doesn't matter because I'm dreaming. And then I, I went to the door and I'm like, what if I'm not dreaming? <laughs> what if this, what if they're, the stories that like, I'm thinking this in my dream, like the stories they're going to tell of me just like running in their house, like I'm dreaming, like they're, I'm going to be so embarrassed. And it's just funny because our, it is a dance and I like how you said interface with your subconscious because it's like this like this like dance between our conscious and subconscious. And like I said, I mean I could talk about dreams forever. We could probably have an entire series of podcasts on them <laughs> because I've I've gone I've gone really deep um and had some amazing, amazing moments. 
in them. But honestly, just because we're talking about it, I bet you're going, it'll probably end up into your dream state somehow, or you'll remember it more because once you start focusing on it, um, just like anything else, just like the brain works through association, like you're going to start to, to be more aware of it. So, yeah. Yeah. I noticed, yeah, it was a very, definitely took a lot of intention and like, uh, just having it in my mind a lot more like to, to be able to remember and like be kind of be able to see and observe what was going on in my dreams. Um, but yeah, just as I was explaining that, that one lucid dream that I had, uh, <laughs> that really does seem like a, a metaphor for, um, for how we live, you know, where you think you're, you think you can't do something or you think you are restricted. Yeah. Um, to the life that you currently have, but, you know, you always have a choice to, yeah, there's always some kind of choice you can make, mm-hmm. even though a lot of times it, it feels like there isn't. Yeah. I want to continue this in a second. I got to go to the bathroom. Okay, sure. <laughs> That's okay. I'm just holding up some of the symbols to the camera in case you want to use it. I'll also hold this up too, if you want to, to show any images of the actual flyer of the event for Saturday. Oh, yeah, you should definitely talk a little bit about um, about that like yeah. Yeah, so this is uh this is the show, this is the flyer and it is on 22220 um and it is at I want to talk about the venue first because yeah, it looks- it's pretty interesting. It's really interesting. So it's, it's, it's this place called the Dragon's Den. It was originally um, St. Mary Magdalene's Church. It's a cathedral-style church in Homestead that um, it's, like, really beloved in the community. Like, they've tried to keep it going for for years and years, and it's, like, had a weird history. It's, like, burned down, like, three times, and they they keep restoring it. And it got to the point where it was just like the community couldn't afford it anymore and it was just done. So this couple, um, they were able to purchase the church and their intention is to create a ropes course and a zip line for youth. So it's going to serve the community of Homestead, mostly like the underprivileged youth community there. And you walk in and on both sides there are these obstacle course ropes course zip line there's a zip line that runs the length of the church it's 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 crazy it's beautiful it's unique um and they're going to be opening this summer so it's not complete they're still doing a lot of work on it um but the course itself pretty much is the zip lines there and um the acoustics are amazing because the church you know the churches are built for that and uh so I'm going to be having my release show there and it's going to serve as that, but also a fundraising event for them. So 18% of all the tickets are going to go to the Dragon's Den. And um, it's also to raise awareness of what they're doing because no one's heard of this place. This is brand new. Um, So the event itself is going to be kind of like have a little bit of like a festival vibe to it. Um, it's from 6 to 9 p.m. on Saturday. 
and you walk in um, at six o'clock, there's going to be ambient music by Monkey Goddess. They're this world music duo. They're going to be playing like kind of Native American flute style stylings and acoustic, uh, you know, just music. Um, and then there's a choir loft where it's actually going to be the launching point for the zip line whenever they're open. Um, so the acoustics are amazing up there because that's what it's built for. And I'm having four uh, singer-songwriters come up and share music from the choir loft. And each one of them is going to pr- present a song and we're going to harmonize on each other's music. And it's called the choir loft sessions. Um, and it's just like really good vibe music. Stuff gets stuck in my head. It's it's so great. Really good people. Guy Russo, Lauren Damache, Dave Bulowitz, Jason Gamble. And uh, I can actually announce this uh, here because he confirmed um, Dominic Antonelli is going to be there and he is just this phenomenal guitarist and, and singer. He's been living out in Boulder for the last four four years or so. And then uh, I teach for the Hope Academy and I work with kids and uh, teach them music. But we're going to have two Hope Academy students who just won the Shakespeare competition finals. Um, they're going to actually do a monologue, uh, the Romeo and Juliet monologue that they just won first place for. <laughs> um, so they're going to do that at the church. Uh, one of my students, Cece Walker, who's a really spunky, young, creative talent is going to sing. We're going to do a duet together. And then Scott and Rosanna are going to open up the show. Um, Scott and Rosanna are this husband and wife duo her voice is incredible scott's guitar playing is amazing and uh, rosanna now sings with buffalo rose Uh. and yeah and they're gonna do the opening set and during this entire time there's gonna be live painting by seth um seth liebowitz seth liebowitz is phenomenal he's uh he studies with alex gray pretty regularly and um is my favorite pittsburgh artist um And then uh, Empath Sober Bar is going to be serving drinks. So locally, naturally, um, organic drinks that are infused with, you know, their love. They're going to be spreading. um, They're going to be vending that. They're also going to be donating 18% of their sales back to the Dragon's Den. And then my set will be a couple of solo songs. And then Taragape will play. This will be the first performance of Taragape. And Taragape is uh, just a new kind of collective that I'm cultivating. And right now we have James Bristol playing bass of the Hills and the River, Hills and the Rivers, um, Brianna Carraher playing cello, Matt Price playing drums, and Nishwan Abdullah or Nash playing violin and fiddle. And uh, it's all been coming together. They've been working really hard. And we're going to present the album in its entirety. Um, we're going to have lighting by Xenon Enter- Xenon Events. Um, Nick Petrunak of that company will be there doing all lighting, doing all the sound. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be a, a lot of really good people, really good music in a space that's for the community. And um, you'll get to buy the art prints and the merch that I've shared, the laser cut wood wood prints and yeah and get to see the dragon's den yeah i'm looking forward to it that's that's a lot of stuff that's like (laughs) how long did it take you to coordinate all of these things it's been i mean i've been working real hard for i mean 
I booked it probably three months ago, but I've been working real hard for the last two months, pretty, pretty nonstop to make sure everything's going yeah. and coming together. Um, and I'm happy to do it. Cause like, I think I love experiences. I want to create an experience and, uh, I love, I love, I love Pittsburgh. Love it. But, um, sometimes I go like out West and I'll go to a concert and they'll have like belly dancers on the stage and they'll have costume changes and they'll, they'll be like, you'll be at this show and you'll be like, wow, like I'm, I'm immersed in an experience. It's more than just the music. So that's kind of what I'm trying to present. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention one of the most interesting parts is we're going to have during my set and throughout the night, um, Ishkade is, uh, a flow artist and acrobat and she's going to be doing dancing with lights and she's actually going to be doing some fire spinning oh, for cool. the set and then camille zamboni is a renowned contortionist uh she's going to be doing some really cool contortion arts um she's actually going to be hanging from the zip line with her hoop behind us all lit up while we're playing it's going to be it's going to be wild <laughs> so <laughs> it's a lot come wow. check it out yeah Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning on it. Um, okay, cool. Just looking at a little, little bit of time. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll put the links to that, uh, you know, and put the information uh, when I post this. Um, yeah, I kind of want to, I'm kind of curious about, um, you've, you've mentioned plant medicines uh, a couple times. And that you like to do mushroom meditations. And I was just curious, like, what does that uh, entail for you? Or, like, what is that, if you care to share? I've, I would love to share. And honestly, this is another thing that we could do a couple series of podcasts on. Yeah. <laughs> In short, um, I was very late to the game when it came to working with any sort of psychedelic because... I had so much fear around it. And just like, you know, the, the war on drugs, the propaganda, everything that, that we've and generations before us have grown up with I was so fearful going into it and you know it took me until my mid to late 20s to really really explore it and to have the courage to do so and um I I I'm very like I said I'm very experiential I'm very empathetic I'm very intentional with my experiences so I started to notice when I was going through these experiences that yeah, it's really fun to be like open-eyed and like like looking at the world and be like, oh, this is like feels weird, sort of. Yeah, man, like, whoa, what am I? Look at, let's go to see a show. And like, that's fun. That's great recreationally. But what I started noticing was, I would close my eyes, and just let these visions start to come to me. And I soon realized that I am not creating this. Like, this is not me. This is a co-creation with something. And it was the most fascinating thing that I'd ever experienced in my life. Um, aside from lucid dreaming, like, and mm -hmm. I think they share a very similar space. I yeah. think there's a lot of similarities there. And I think there's, you know, theories about dimethyltryptamine DMT being produced when we dream in our, from our pineal gland and dimethyltryptamine and psilocybin and lysergic acid. They're all cousins. If you look at the molecular structures of them, they're all the, the foundations of them are the same. They just have different, you know, uh, limbs, if so to say, of their molecules. So what I started to notice was that I'm getting these amazing fractal flowing visions that um, 
that really fascinated me. And since I'd done a lot of dream work and a lot of recall already, I was able to go into that state and I was able to recall it and able to, to kind of record it. So then I was lucky enough to go and work in Peru. And I, 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 that was when I found out how to properly like do a ceremony and to the best of, you know, the Western ability, the Western mindset ability, but they did it really well. They brought in these shamans that were of the Shipibo tribe who've been working with ayahuasca for thousands of years. And we sat in a maloka, which is a wooden round structure. And there were, there were 18 of us, which I still think is a lot of people and they do more, which um, that's a different conversation. But basically it's eight o'clock at night, you drink the medicine and then by 845, they turn out, they have one candle burning in the middle of the room and it's dark. So the whole experience is going in. You're, everything that you're experiencing is in the dark. It's, it was behind closed eyes. So I really developed how to cultivate that during that and brought that back here. And, and since mushrooms are kind of a cousin of ayahuasca in a way, which DMT is, the, is what the um, active compound in ayahuasca is, I started, you know, less recreational and more like I'm... And I started following the moon cycles too. And that's actually a great way to go about it. Like, okay, there's a new moon coming up. I'm going to set the intention a week or two in advance. And I'm going to plan to, uh, to get my diet in order that day, make sure I take health, take care of myself. I'm going to fast a couple hours beforehand. I'm going to ceremonially like, you know, imbibe in a, an appropriate amount of this medicine in a responsible way. And I'm going to either put on some good music or just go silent within and lie down and close my eyes or sit and close my eyes. Yeah. And I am blown away every single time. Just like what kind of what happens at when you do that and you just are just still and quiet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's to me, it's so fascinating because. Like I'm not a religious person. I'm a deeply spiritual person. I hate I hate when people say that too. I, I'm hearing myself say that because it's such a cliche to say. I mean, I I would I would categorize myself as the same. Yeah, a lot of people and, do. And but one of, one of the the most popularized uh, sayings uh, that you know they that we claim that that Jesus has said is the kingdom of heaven is within you. And nothing in my life experience has shown me a glimpse of that other than working with plant medicines and closing my eyes. Yeah. And once you start to see like sacred geometric figures that are, are perfect and like, you're like, oh my gosh, like this stuff is kind of like the fabric of our universe and it's real. Like it's, I've never, I've, I, I couldn't draw this. I couldn't, you know, and, and it's there. So over the last five years or so, I've cultivated that. And um, yeah, and I'm happy to talk more about it. And, and I actually like holding space for other people too, because now I'm at the point where like I've, I've had enough experience. I still like to do it, but I want to share, you know, at least in my methods of, of how to cultivate that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's refreshing to, to talk to somebody who... Uh, kind of uses them in that way um beyond just the recreational kind of change of consciousness that that you get um but yeah that really is exploring the kind of a different side of it yeah yeah there are all different ways to work with it just like there's all different kinds of music there's all different kinds of 
yeah, everything, you know, and you just, it's, I just encourage people to be more intentional like right. in their day-to-day yeah. life. And it, you will be surprised at how it kind of comes, comes back to you because it's, it really is more connected than we can even fathom in my opinion, in my experience, you have your own experience. You can, you know, that's yeah. fine. But in my experience, that's how it's, it's been. It always seems that there's, there's always lots of things that, that make it seem that way whenever, uh, yeah, like the synchronicities and the, just the things that seem to happen. Uh, yeah, that are beyond coincidence. Um, I guess I, I can, I can end, end this part with, with this thought and I, I believe it. And I, I think that the more you acknowledge the universe, whatever you want to call it, the more it will acknowledge you. And I think that's just kind of a principle of it is the more, the more that you say, I see, I see that in my life. I'm aware of that. I'm taking note. The more it will kind of give that back to you. Yeah. Right. Kind of reflecting your own energy and yeah, like intention and thoughts and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd have to agree with you. For sure. I could talk about it, all this stuff for hours, but, um, yeah, this is this has been really great. Thanks for inviting me over. Yeah. This has been uh, this this is what I need because I've been doing so much promotion, so much running around, stressing out, like getting everything in order. But this is like this is where the real real like magic is. Like actually sitting down one on one or talking or actually playing the music, you know. So Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. I'm sure you're super busy uh, <laughs> trying to get ready for this release, which is uh, coming right up. Um, but yeah, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And uh, yeah, we'd love to do it again and dive a little deeper into dreaming and all the kind of consciousness kind of topics that we just lightly brushed on yeah. here. <laughs> right. Um, I look forward to it. Yeah. Uh, okay. I guess that's the end. <laughs> yeah, the end. Thanks. Hope to see some people Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you there. <laughs>